All right, welcome. I'm Stan. I'm Everett. And this is Six Fifths. Da-da. Our 10th episode. Da-da. We made it farther than we could have ever imagined. Double digits. Yes, Yay. indeed. And next episode, we'll have doubles. It'll be great. Yes, it'll be fun. Yeah, and today we're going to talk about a little bit about the state of education here, but from the viewpoints that some of you might be thinking about, especially with admission season and graduation coming up, is how much does your education now prepare you for stuff to do after? And we t- we're going to talk about some stuff that we touched on a little bit in the very first episode we did where we were talking about um, majors and minors and stuff like that, and even a little bit from when me and Evan talked about what you should decide to do after is a little bit predicated on the stuff you like um the, like you want to you want to form those stuff you do here to figure out what you do after and so yeah how much does the education here prepare you for the real world what do you think oh is this a question to me yes i mean i don't know it's going to depend of course on <laughs> it's yeah. going to depend of course on what your what your major is and what it is that you plan to do because if you major in something and then you plan to do something that has nothing to do with your major once you graduate then you're probably going to have some issues there's there's very few uh majors out there that you know like then you proceed to do something entirely different and people won't think a little bit why did you do this right. <laughs> you know so there's uh there's sort of a propulsiveness that's kind of there. You you sort of have to explain yourself a little bit <laughs> if right. you're going to major in something, you know, A, and then you have, like, other things, Z, that's the thing you want to get a job in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that maybe we should take this from, like, a very broad standpoint, like, depending on the kind of major that you're in. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, so since MIT, let's start with, like, the MIT stuff. Okay. The typical majors you'll see at MIT. So we were talking like STEM things. So like, yeah. First, let's talk about engineering. I mean, like engineering is basically just like. I mean, you you talk yeah. about it. you're you're an engineering major, <laughs> yeah, I was like, say. I mean, or were engineering. Engineering, I think, and science are fairly similar in this in this respect. Eh, I'm I'm making I'm making a weird hand gesture, but we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would say that. The things you are supposed to get out of engineering across all the different majors is that you're supposed to get general principles of engineering problem solving, blah, blah, blah. And most of the majors are structured so that you learn like the basic science of the major first, and that's your sophomore year, maybe like half your junior year, like all basic foundational stuff. And then after that, you get into current topics, you take seminars, blah, blah. But um, one of the things with the with engineering is that if you want to deep dive into anything, you kind of have to do a Europe. Like it's normally not sufficient to just take classes in something. Like if you were to go through MIT without doing any sort of extra research or an internship in any given field, you wouldn't really be marketable for that after graduation. I'm not so sure that that's true given that it's MIT, but people would definitely like look at you a little sideways and think, why didn't you get, like you certainly wouldn't, for example, like if you were a course, you know, six, like yeah. ECS and you'd never done an internship and then you applied to Google, they'd probably reject you. Right. But like you could probably get a job somewhere mm-hmm. um, just from the thing of coming from MIT, which is, you know, pretty incredible. Like I suppose privilege or something like that, that, yeah. you know, it's important not to forget it's like, important not to forget that, but at the same time, 
I, having been through this, I sometimes really don't know how much that actually gets you. Like, I feel like it's one of those things that will get you there if you are already going to be super marketable. But I still kind of maintain the point that I don't feel like, especially for a major that is a little more nebulous, like Course 20, I don't really feel like unless you define yourself by by very clearly sitting where your interests are and and um, finding th- people, companies that really, really fit those so you can make a really good case for yourself, mm-hmm. or by... Um, I mean, your major is a little special, right? Yeah, because, my major is a little because, special. Because uh, BioE is still pretty new. Um, right. So, you know, the question, the operative question is always like, well, what do you do, right? <laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what bio- biological engineers, like, do. Yeah, exactly, right? and no one does. And and so the the thing is that, like, it's important for you, right, mm-hmm. um, to to make that clear from, like, the very beginning. Right. And a lot of, in a way to do that without even, like, bothering with, like, writing some sort of cover letter or anything like that is just having things on your resume that indicate I've done this. This yeah, is exactly. what I've experienced with. Mm-hmm. But, like, with course, with ECS or, like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, course 10, everybody expects you to know laminar fluid flow if you're, like, a chemical engineer. It's just a thing you know. Mm -hmm. Or, like, you know, in in course 20, there's not so much of the basics. There are basics, of course. Oh, yeah, You know, if you don't know what a plasma did, how did you pass, like, any of your classes? Yeah, I was going to say, like, the basis of course 20 is just bio. Right. Yeah. But there's added principles, right? Like, engineering principles, but people can't really be sure what you do and don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, Whereas with, like, you know, something like chemical engineering or EECS, there are things that you damn well better know. (laughs) Or, you know, like, people are going to, you're not going to get hired to anything. People just know what questions to ask you off the bat to, like, know that you're competent, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not so much with, like, Course 20, so people are a little more wary of that. Well, this is exactly why you can have a technical interview in pretty much anything that's not um, bioengineering. Like a lot of, I I've heard mixed reviews for people who apply for jobs, like at pharmaceutical companies and stuff. But a lot of times, I had never had a technical interview like where huh. they required me to give up some knowledge of biology. Um, before they interviewed me. That's really odd. Well, you you think job, people would be more likely to give you a technical interview if they don't know what it is that you can do? Yeah, but... It doesn't happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I've heard some people having technical interviews. Um, I think one of the groups that um, that we work, that my lab works with, they do do some technical screening a little bit, but aside from that... So, I mean, explain to me what a, what a technical interview is because I will never experience one of these, most likely. Yeah, so. a, technical, a technical interview is what... I'll, I'll talk about it from the um, computer science perspective because I think that's the one the most clear where they essentially will give you a basic problem like an algorithm thing, the thing you can solve using an algorithm or data structure or something and they tell you to solve it. So you either talk through the code with them and say how you were structuring it and that's good enough or in some cases you're like screen sharing with them and you write the code. Mm. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. So Sounds that's so that that's that's essentially what it means. Basically, something to show that you could actually solve a problem. It's almost like if you were to do a consulting interview and you do case studies, right? Yeah, right. The case the case studies are part of your like interview. Yeah, I mean, but, but I, most people are not going to see a consulting interview. MIT is a little special again, mm-hmm. and then like especially with the consulting, they hire people from like a very small list of universities oh, yeah, usually. They do. Yeah. MIT is one of them, but like most universities are off that list, and so yeah. it's incredibly difficult to get right. any consulting job whatsoever 
coming from like anywhere that's not one of those places. That's actually that's actually very true. So there's like the thing about MIT is that there's a lot of outs that aren't there for like other people. Uh-huh. Um, no matter what your major is, mm-hmm. right? Like you know, I know a lot of people who are like, oh man, you know, I really hate my major, so I'm just gonna go into finance, and it's like that that is literally impossible at like the vast majority of places. You yeah, can't just like true. say offhand, oh, I guess I'll just go into finance. Right. But people have done this, right? Yeah, and then they get jobs. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and um, so it is it is very different here, right? Because like. As much as we're talking about this, there's definitely a sense of, like, out. Like, right. even for me, like, I could probably just, like, spend, like, a couple months studying on my own and then get a CS job, like, without too much difficulty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even having, like, not taken algorithms or whatever. Right. Because, like, I can learn, like, a good portion of, like, what's going on there. Right. Or at least I'm fairly confident that I could. Uh-huh. To the point where I could get a job and, like, do some work on my own to demonstrate confidence. And there mm-hmm. you go. Right? Like, um... And I feel confident about that because coming from MIT, people are a little more willing to believe, right, that, like, I actually do, despite having majored in, like, the humanities or whatever, despite, right. um, people might be a little more willing to believe that I can do math mm-hmm. and I can do programming, right, right, because I went to MIT. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, the humanities are not, like, the main focus of MIT at all. So, mm-hmm. you know, plus there's, like, you... So if you're not from MIT, you have to take, like, a lot of very technical class, like, STEM classes, basically. Yeah. Like, you got to take, like, a good number in, like, six or seven. Yeah, you have to take two semesters of math, two semesters of physics, and then chem and bio. Chem and bio, that's yeah. six. And then you have to, mm-hmm. you also take, you have to take restricted electives, so that's actually eight. Yes. Yeah, so... Yeah. That in lab, so that's nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's nine, like, STEM requirements no matter what major you are, right? And mo- most people just do them as a matter of course because they're STEM majors, so it doesn't right. matter. Yeah. Of course, for me, it's kind of a bitch, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the thing is that, like, a lot of the caveats that we're, like, pointing out are kind of, like, not even things that people think about too much here, which is really interesting. Like, we're talking about, like, yeah, you know, to get really into it and make yourself super marketable, you need to do it your often. It's kind of like, you know... In a lot of places, that's like, holy shit, <laughs> like, right. that's a lot of work and, uh-huh. like, not at all guaranteed. But at MIT, it's like, oh, yeah, you should just do it year off, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, you know, if you qualify for MIT scholarship, they give you a semester of free funding. Right. Um, if, you know, like, it's not that hard, you can just spam emails to all the people in, like, EECS and somebody will take you. Like, right. especially if you're a freshman, they'll, they'll just take you, right. like, even if you have zero experience with anything. I wouldn't say if you have zero experience in anything. It depends on what you're doing. I mean, well, I'm yeah. saying someone will take you, even if yeah. you have zero experience. You'll, you'll find one person. As long probably. as you say you're willing to learn something. Oh, well, yeah, right. You. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, that, that's even the assumption, right? Right. Um, and that, that's another thing at MIT is that people will take you even if you don't know the things that, like, they want you to know sometimes. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, we'll just teach you, or you just learn on your own, whatever, right. right? Like, in other places, there's not so much confidence in you. That's actually, that's actually very true. Yeah. Um. So it's, it's, there's a lot of outside factors aside from just like, oh, it's MIT, like alone, mm-hmm. right? That make like the STEM people here just like get a job like super easily. Like the only, like it comes to the point where the only thing standing in your way is just like you deciding to get up and go to a, like yeah. do some interviews and stuff like that. Right. I mean like, you know, you can't just like show up zero prepared and they'll just give you a job. Yeah, well, actually, but, uh, I, let, let's talk about that for oh, a second. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because 
Because I actually would say that as you go through your STEM major, that you don't get a lot of practice doing anything that is trying to shape yourself to be a marketable person, right? Right. Like, like, like you just said, you can't go into an interview with nothing. You might get the interview just by, you know, throwing together some resume on your pa- on on a piece of paper that says, you know, I have, you know, above a four GPA and I went to MIT, and somebody uh, will sometimes be like ab- about the above four thing. <laughs> MIT is out of five. Not oh four. yeah, yeah. Just in case that confused anyone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're, we're out of five here. So, yeah, that might be sufficient to get you the interview, especially if you're applying to a job that, um, you know, people aren't looking for a ton of experience in or they assume that you might be very um, teachable or whatever. But then if you walk in the interview and it's terrible because you didn't know how to package yourself at all, then yeah. you're not going to get the job anyway. Yeah, it's not going to work. Like, yeah. a lot of it is because, like, you know, a lot of these job searches happen at MIT and at Harvard and at places right. like that. So you're not competing with other people, <laughs> like, right. at wherever. You're competing with other people at MIT. MIT and at Harvard. Well, so, that's, that's not completely true. It's, it's usually the case that you're doing this. Like, unless, because if you go to a job fair, right? Yes. Like, one of the career fairs that we have here, these are people uh-huh. you're competing against usually. Like, like, you're competing against a huge pool of people, but, like, realistically. Well, I wouldn't say <laughs> like, that, I, when they say that they're hiring for these for these positions, like, they are looking for people actually that that makes sense they're looking for so many people from this career for that they can take kind of thing mm. but that doesn't necessarily mean especially if they are like you know at MIT one day and at Harvard the next day they're doing a bunch of interviews in the area mm-hmm. then they'll do everybody's everybody's interview the first round mm-hmm. and they'll look at everybody and then decide to invite you to the second round or not which is like an on-site interview or something like that right so in a sense you are not just competing with people from your school but in the like if you are the best person of the day Mm-hmm. kind of thing then your chances are more likely that you're getting a second round interview right yeah right and so that's another thing is that getting a job is not like guaranteed even here oh yeah <laughs> there are plenty so. of people who don't, who don't get jobs so like we're talking about in terms of having a much better chance of getting a job still not 100 percent. like mm-hmm. you know especially because like you know people And, you know, it can be very hard to, like, be aware of this sometimes because the people who are, like, you know, going around bombing interviews all over the place and things Mm -hmm. like that are not going to tell you that they went and they bombed an interview. Yeah, right. that's true. Um, the people who come out of MIT and then they can't get a job for six months, they're they're not going to talk about that. Right. You know, and so it's just don't hear too much about it, but it certainly happens. Mm -hmm. Happens way less at other places, but it happens. Right. Yeah, and... I would say that there are things that MIT does that supplement, you know, what you can do to prepare yourself for interviews. Like we have a career center, we have like programs like um, this thing called Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, UPOP. Mm-hmm. Um, even the Engineering Leadership Program that I did does a little bit of this. Um, <laughs> but in my opinion, it's one of those things that you can't just do those programs either, mm. and walk out with an infinite knowledge of how to wrap yourself together of course i mean it's always it's always a bit of a crap that's like you know always the hardest thing about this kind of stuff is that you know there's no like thing that you do and then you know you're gonna get a job always Uh right sometimes you win and sometimes you lose right (laughs) no matter who you are or where you go Mm -hmm. um but there is there's a thing to it you can you can still get better yeah like notably (laughs) yeah of course it is yeah, and but I guess but I guess the question is like how much better do you get by 
kind of riding through here and not putting that much effort into doing so. I mean, riding through MIT? Yeah. I think it's very hard for someone to just do that. Oh, yeah, of course it is. I mean, so so when you say riding through MIT, what do you mean? You know, kind of coasting through on, you know, sea average? And, yeah, you know. like, well, maybe. maybe. Well, I mean, that that's that's a lot worse than just yeah. coasting through MIT. <laughs> that's, that's a lot worse. Because but MIT's I, averages are usually Bs. So yeah, yeah but, I, but I th- what I think I'm saying is that, like, if you did, if you just took class you didn't really do anything outside of class um not even like a year off or something you just did class and then you no internships or anything you just you let's let's talk let's talk about if you're like a junior okay uh-huh. let's talk about if you're a junior and you're looking for money for the summer because your parents say they're not going to pay for you to just hang around for another summer then uh and all you've done is just go to class like what do you do I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, like I, you're better fit to answer this than I am <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, but I don't know. That kind of situation is like, how, how common is that? Like, I'm not completely sure, but I think that's entirely based around the company that you keep. And I yeah, hang around a lot of people who are very ambitious and go after jobs. Right. That's one thing about MIT is that there's also just like a lot of institutional pressure from like a lot of people to do things uh-huh. like, you know, Oh, you didn't get a year. Like I didn't get a year off when I was a freshman and I felt bad about it. Right. Like that kind of thing where it was like, hey, Mm. Uh, pe- of people just take that 89 of students at MIT you get a year off at some point yeah yeah so mm. yeah, you don't, I mean you feel bad if you're in the 11% right yeah you do you push that on you you need to have this experience to do well right, right. Like yeah it definitely is. like mm-hmm. it's it's more like the other way around of maybe like 10% of people would do any research at all right yeah um and you know like I think like Close to half of all fresh of all freshmen do a year off during that year. Uh-huh. It's a it's a big it's a big amount of them, mm-hmm. right? And like, what other place are you going to see? Not only a lot of freshmen like you know doing research yeah. with people, but also getting pushed specifically to do this. Like, you're not going to see uh-huh. it, right? And part of it is a money thing, right? Just like people don't have enough money to like give every freshman a year mm-hmm. off. That's just like not going to happen, yeah. Right? Like, um, at least not legally, right? <laughs> um. <laughs> So it's uh it's definitely different. Like but it it it's funny how so little of it has to do with your classes specifically. Like yeah. specifically what your classes are giving you. Right. Um there's there's a lot of outside factors that, you know, just have nothing to do with that. And well, very little because if you're failing all of your classes, you're probably not going to do well in your mm-hmm. research. But like, but that's actually why I would also say that just just from the thing that we just said that Ten percent of people are people who do research, like at other places that aren't MIT, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that the MIT name and maybe some other like higher research institutional whose names has weight is not only because of what the name is, but also because of the fact that it's usually MIT with like you know three research jobs. How much how much um, like pull do you actually get by just having MIT in just a blank sheet? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's That's, just so unlikely for that to happen is that I don't even think of that as like a possibility, really. Like, right. It's just very unlikely that you'll just have like MIT. I didn't do anything after that. Right. Like, you know. Uh huh. So, so it's interesting to think about that. I don't know. Yeah. But, and I guess 
the the question that follows from that is kind of like, well, how much of it is the prestige and how much of it is the opportunities afforded to you by like the or yeah. like mm-hmm. like I I think I think that's the thing, right? Is that like the pre- the the name alone doesn't get you shit. Like yeah, if you just like sit there and don't use any uh-huh. of the opportunities that are that are you know there. But the fact that you're at a place like this means that people are going to push you much harder to make use of those opportunities and also the fact that they're there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, like, that's about it. Like, in, in, in STEM, you know, that's, like, super important yeah. because um, having that actual practical experience is, like, a super big deal. Right. Um, and I, I think that has a lot more to do with why people find it so easy to get hired than just, like, the rigor of the courses or right. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, although the courses are really hard. Courses are courses are really hard. But I, I'm a staunch believer that for courses that you take, um, like, technical courses that you take and in, like, extra programs that you do. Like, I had a really large problem with this for the engineering leadership program that I did was that you actually really should not take things like that in a vacuum. You can't just do it in class and then go do nothing with it in order for you to learn. You actually have to take right. it and make it something else outside of where you were. Like there right. were several people in my engineering leadership program were kind of like, oh, this is my leadership thing doing this training program. And, and I'm just sitting here thinking like... Uh, but it's not actually... It's just a training program. It's yeah. not even really like... You know, and having done things like that, those things are really artificial. It's not a lot like actually being a leader of jack shit granted they tried like, really hard to make it less feel artificial but as somebody who's been on the side of even creating the types of engineers they come up with it's still it's inevitable that some of it is going to feel kind of contrite yeah yeah so it, it isn't really important to get that i i mean we've been kind of repeating ourselves for the last like 10 minutes but it's really important <laughs> to get that practical experience to actually get out there and do that shit because it's, it's very different right Mm -hmm. Um, I remember reading this story on the internet about this guy who was complaining about like chemical engineering majors in most places Yeah, because like, you know, like he was complaining about how like they'll come in like first day on the job and he'll be like, okay, so I want you to like, you know, make this. And they're like, what? Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, you, you know how you make this. Right. And they're like, um, uh, I don't, let me, let me remember the equations. And he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Do you not know how to like actually do it? it? (laughs) Right. Like, Mm-hmm. And at MIT, there's, like, a lot of pressure on, like, actually knowing how to do things. Yes. Um, but in your classes, not so much. Mm-hmm. And that, that's that's the big difference, I think. Right. Um, so I guess we were decided, that, like, STEM, yes, it prepares you, but not the classes. Right. But the the education as as a whole, mm-hmm. the, the sphere of, of things that you get prepares you i guess is is what we're decided on there yeah i would yeah i would say that it is if you put effort into it i think it's almost but but i think it's almost impossible to go into a scenario where you even going anywhere where you can coast through college and end up with something that wasn't just you know that degree you have on your wall and then and then what yeah that doesn't yeah. mean anything yeah. which brings me to the humanities yeah i was gonna say let's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let, let's flop let's flop this because you you've taught to me a lot about this um particular point that you if you are a humanities major here or anywhere for that matter um yeah it's it's the same deal mm-hmm. um and this is why i think like harvard is is interesting because like you know they have a lot of humanities majors there and they end up being very successful right and it ain't the classes uh-huh. I mean, and I think that we've made the point that it's probably not the classes in science and engineering either, mm-hmm. right? 
what it is is it's about the 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 set of opportunities that is afforded to you by like where you're going uh-huh. and a lot of places that's like you know not a lot they don't in in the sense that like okay so when i say afforded so let's say that Harvard and MIT force opportunities on you. Okay. I think this is like a good way of putting it. There's yeah. just so much pressure to do all this shit that it doesn't even feel optional, right? Mm-hmm. Like let alone like a possibility. No, you're you're gonna do it. Right. You'd better do it, <laughs> right? Like there's so much. Why would you not do it? Yeah. Right? Like and at Harvard is the same way, except instead of you know like uh, internships and you know like your ops is schmoozing and talking to important people, mm-hmm. right? And you know like getting to know other people and like connections and stuff like that, right? Like um, but at other colleges, it's just not, not something that happens. And, and in the humanities, like, it's very, it's just as important, right? Mm-hmm. Like, your classes are, are, you know, very generalized, right? Right. Um, and it's sort of about learning to apply that to specific things. Uh-huh. But you don't just do that in a vacuum. Like, you actually have to, like, get experience of, yeah. of being in situations where you have to apply things, mm-hmm. right? And, um... I mean, I'm going to admit that, like, part of it is that, like, the humanities are, like, kind of, like, the bastion of people who are not that good at school. Like, mm-hmm. it it just is. It's very easy to, like, offer a Mickey Mouse course in something like communications or whatever, which I'm a comparative media studies major. Like, a big part of that is communications, right? Like, and, like with any media studies thing, like, communications right. is a big part of what you do. So, like... Communications as a field is like a real thing, man. Like, it's, oh yeah, of course it is. You know, like there's there's a lot of thought and theory, and you know, like in fact, methodological research that you can do. Yeah, it's just that like a lot of schools don't care <laughs> at a lot all. Schools say very sexist things about communications <laughs> majors. I mean, like, like yeah. yeah, like in uh, mm. in I mean, like a lot of schools don't care in terms of like how they form their departments and like the classes that they yeah. teach, like, because they know full well well you got to put all these people who like are not very good students but feel like they have to go to college anyway. Mm. Like, you got to put them somewhere, so you put them in communications, <laughs> right? Um, and it's kind of very unfortunate because it means that, like, you have to put in perhaps more effort than someone would of a STEM persuasion because your classes just aren't going to give you the stuff you need to, like, really get up there at, yeah. like, the higher level of stuff. Mm. Um Plus, like, a lot of universities are paying a lot more attention to giving the kind of opportunities that gel very well with, like, STEM majors, right? So, like, you know, uh, internships in specific fields that have very specific requirements of things that you need to know. Uh They they, they adhere very close to those requirements, which, frankly, is not something that works very well with, like, the humanities perspective. Oh, of course it doesn't. Right? The humanities perspective is more like um, you have to be given a job where you're trusted a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Not not to just, you know, slot things in a box, but to, like, you know, have a little bit of freedom right. and display a little bit of, you know, leadership or whatever the fuck, right? Um, you have to deal with people, humans yes. in the humanities. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's not a lot of that anymore, right? Mm. Instead, it's like, you need to know this, you need to know that, like, you know, um, you need to know this programming language or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Also, I'm not of the opinion that you can't learn to program and be a humanities major at the same time, but this is, like, another thing. <laughs> Like I mean, you know, I think say, saying so is be, saying that you couldn't code if you were a humanities major is slightly ignorant. I mean, I mean, it's it's really more like you're in the humanities, right? Yeah. And you feel like coding is just not what I do. You know, like why should I learn it? But it's like you you should. Well, I mean, I know biologists who know do just think the coding is just not what they do. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's a humanities it's, specific it's, thing. It's not. Yeah. But like you know, it, it's very. Uh, it's as much dictated to you as it is something that you decide about yourself. I okay. Think. Like a lot of people just assume that you're, you suck at math because you're a humanities major. 
where a lot of people assume that you can't program because you're humanities. Th- this does happen like to biology. The way you just said actually happens. Oh, yeah, it happens to biologists, biologists. <laughs> too. Yeah. You know, um, I'm reminded of uh, Saturday Morning Breakfast Series, this one webcomic. Mm-hmm. You know, it has a... Uh, um, there was this one comic where uh, it's like a two-panel. Mm-hmm. Like, it's basically just this professor looking over a, a problem set. Mm-hmm. And, like, the first professor is... is um, is a mathematics professor. And mathematics professor is like, this isn't a proof. You can't just have like half your proof be Mathematica said so or something yeah. like that, which is a program that solves a bunch of problems for you uh-huh. without you having to like actually do it on paper. Right. Um, and then the other, the other half is a physics professor who's saying, this is dumb. You could have just had half this paper be Mathematica says so. <laughs> right? <laughs> and the, the, the bonus panel, as it were, is a biologist saying, ah, numbers on the paper. No, I can't read this. <laughs> like, you know, and, and this is a pretty common joke. And I, I, I think that, like, now more than ever, right, there's, there's a sense um, that, like, you know, that's not so much true. But there still is yeah, that, yeah. that feeling, right? Yeah. Um, which is why I was like, oh, you're, like, trying to lump in science and engineering because, like, most of the scientific fields that you that except physics, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you want to take the other the other sciences, the life sciences, as it were, um, like <laughs> chemistry, biology, biochemistry, right? Yeah. Like whatever other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're like very negative, <laughs> like you know. Not I mean I've heard it here, like people complaining about oh man, like chemists don't actually know how to do Schrodinger's equation or whatever, yeah, right? right? And it's just like. I mean, do they have to? <laughs> like, for one, like right. I don't, I don't know if they have to. Like, I don't well, think, I think so. There's, for at least in that, in the chemistry perspective, there's a, this weird interplay between physical chemistry and physics, and I don't think that um, physicists think that physical chemists are actually doing physics, and that's kind of how that manifests itself. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's a there's a lot of you know just in general a lot of like you know your field sucks and doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. that happens and it happens in the humanities more than anything else yeah um and i mean yeah i have my problems with like the state of the the state of the field as it were mm-hmm. and you know the the sort of effects that it has on undergraduates like i feel like you know standards are low <laughs> mm-hmm. just in general um part of it is you know education <laughs> education is 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 pretty bad like right now in oh, america yeah. it's like not good like People come in a, like, there's a lot of focus uh, on, like, the higher level things. Like, there's a lot of fighting going on in English departments, for example, mm-hmm. about, like, you know, re- rhetoric and composition versus literature. You know, like, one side, of the, one side of the people are like, oh, it's important to learn how to, you know, teach people how to write, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other side is like, yeah, but you're not my mom. I can, like, you know, teach people how to write myself, Yeah. right? And part of the problem is that, like, Part of the reason that this is a conversation in the first place is because people come into college needing to learn how to write. Well, that's a problem. Right? And, yeah. and I mean, it's not, it's not like an issue of, like, you know, making people who are already somewhat competent better. Mm-hmm. It's an issue of making people feel like they can write at all. Yeah. In a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Like, and I mean, you know, MIT, like, I shit on MIT's, like, writing mm-hmm. a lot. Like, in, in general. But, like, everybody is at least competent usually when they come in. Like, the vast majority of people. Even the people who have to who fail like the, the initial examination that they give, mm-hmm. like and then have to take like a, um, a writing, writing intensive class, class yeah. like even those people like aren't aren't bad, right? Like I've I've heard some ridiculous horror stories about people who are like, yeah, you people who read like an essay and they they have to like actually tell their students you can't use abbreviations in these essays, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just yeah. like what what are you what are you doing, <laughs> right? Yeah, like um, and and part of it is. 
I don't know. I've been thinking about this a lot recently, but I think part of it is also like students just don't care. Like mm-hmm. they're like, oh, this humanities class is fucking dumb and writing is stupid. Right. And I'm never going to have to be good at this to be successful. Uh-huh. Right. So I'm not going to care about like, you know, how will I write mm-hmm. in this class? Because like no one cares. Right. Right. And I'll just get an A anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. And people are afraid to not give, you know, good grades because then your yeah. student evaluations go down. And in a lot of places, especially if you're, like, contingent faculty, you're, you're like, an adjunct professor, mm-hmm. like, you can get fired if, like, if, your, reviews, if your evaluations are bad. Yeah. So if the students decide that you don't like their class, which I got to tell you is, like, it's much more correlated with the grade you give them than anything else. Oh, yeah, it is. Like, yeah. Not with the quality of your teaching, but just, like, with the grade you give them. That's, at, like, that's the reason that subject evals evaluations close before finals start. Because they have to close before you see your final grade. Because if you did bad at the class, you'd probably give it a bad review. I mean, in the humanities, it's usually pretty clear how you're going to do in a class before you finish. Because, like, the last thing left is, like, the final paper. Uh And I got to tell you that, like, for most people, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you've been getting C's on the rest of your papers, you're probably not going to get anything better on the final paper. Right. Unless you suddenly decide to start taking the class seriously or suddenly get way better at writing. Mm -hmm. Right? Which probably not going to happen right like you usually know what's going to happen to you in this class like you know Mm -hmm. i mean like the the, another thing is that people just aren't comfortable with writing so people will write you know and then like whenever somebody criticizes their writing they get really mad right Mm -hmm. because it's like writing is is often like a very personal thing right like you write and you feel like you're sort of like you know communicating you know your feelings out to the world or whatever Mm -hmm. so if you write an essay especially if you're not used to writing right and like you get it back and it's like yeah see right and there's right. like red all over it you're just gonna get pissed you're not yeah, even kinda, like yeah you know you're not even gonna be like oh how could i do better no you're just gonna be like oh my fucking god i hate this professor they gave me a c mm-hmm. for my good essay yeah right this is bullshit or something like that right. and it's just like like this happens here like oh, there are yeah. a lot of people here at mit who are not comfortable with writing like that doesn't mean that they're bad but right. they're just not comfortable right yeah um, so they do things like put essays off till the last minute, and they mm-hmm. write the essay, and it's not very good because they wrote it the last minute. Mm-hmm. Then you get like a B minus, and I read it, and I'm like, they should have gotten a D, <laughs> and they, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I I feel like I feel kind of like on odds and ends about telling people that because like to some degree, like you kind of want to lie because right. like. It's more. It's better that people like not hate writing than you know that they have like an accurate idea of like you know how right. well they write. Sometimes it feels that way. You're just like on the defensive about yeah. it. Yeah. Because like here again, it's like very common to hear that point of view. Is just like you know I don't understand why people expect me to know how to write because you know all I should have to do is math when I graduate. But that's which is most. That's stupid. almost certainly. It's not true. Completely untrue. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's wrong. <laughs> like it's not true. Right. But. Um, if anything, I use math less, a lot less than I did when I was, even my last semester of undergrad. Yeah, I mean, but but that's the thing, right? Is mm-hmm. that um, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Writing is just not appreciated. Like the ability to write is not appreciated as much as it, is, it used to be. You you um, when while people you're come in, in undergrad, when people come in, yeah. like you know. It, you can't just assume like any degree of competence anyway. Not not in that like um everybody is incompetent, but there's no specific like amount of competence you can expect. Yeah. Because some people do come in and they're very good. Right. Right. But some people come in and they're terrible and it's hard to like aim, especially yeah. in intro class, to like everybody. So you just kinda have to hit the low margin. 
Um, but I don't think it's really a secret or a stretch from any place where you sit on the ability spectrum to say that if you put effort into something, then you're going to get more out of the stuff that's given to you. And like, you don't, if, if you had the assumption that everyone would try, you wouldn't necessarily have to aim for that bottom rug because people would I pull don't themselves agree. up to that. I don't agree like at all. I like, think that's the idealistic scenario. Of course, but yeah. I, I don't agree because, like, the the thing is, like, okay, so at MIT, the first class that one takes, uh-huh. uh, if you have to, a lot of, very few people actually do this, but we have 1801, mm-hmm. which is uh, Calculus 1. Right. This is single variable calculus. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think 10% of students take it. And, like, a lot of math professors have been like, let's just get rid of this mm-hmm. and just, like, not accept people who don't know, mm-hmm. like, uh, this this kind of calculus, right? And... You know, but if you come here and you haven't mastered, say, like, you know, the free calculus or trigonometry stuff, right. then you will bomb 1801. Yeah. Like, it will happen. <laughs> You'll mm-hmm. get wrecked. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like, yeah, there are just some people who are so behind that, like, the, the standard that we hold them to is just not reachable for them in any reasonable amount of time. We just can't do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's, in writing is the same way. Like, there are some people that you just bring in, right? Mm-hmm. And they just can't write well enough. Okay. They, they can't do it, right? Like, they don't have the comfort with writing, mm-hmm. right? To them, writing is, like, five paragraphs ever. Yeah. Like, you know, and then, like, there's no, there's no sense of flexibility out, uh, with it or any practice writing in any other way. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, the response here has been instead, you know, like, instead of, like, fail people, right? right? Just give them Fs or don't accept them, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's, like... We have to, like, actually make it so that people can, like, pass these classes. Right. Which means that you dumb the classes down. Right? And, I mean, like, they're, they're two very different mindsets. There, yeah. Right? Because, like, the STEM mindset is, like, yeah, you get an F. Like, if you don't master it, I'm going to give you an F. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't care. Right? Like, in the humanities, partly because essays have a reputation for being more subjective in the grade. Right. But let me tell you, an F essay is an F essay. Yeah. Like, anybody who reads an F essay says that essay is an F. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I... <laughs> Maybe you can quibble about whether it's, like, a D, but you're certainly not going to be like, that essay should have gotten a V. Like, no, it's an F. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like... And, and so the, the thing is that, like, um, that perception that, like, these things are, are more... Um, are, are more subjective, even though, like... At least in broad measures, they're, they're not. Like, yeah. And with a good rubric, like, you can, like, hone that in, like, a lot. Yeah. Um, like, the, the, the thing is just that, like... You feel much more on edge and defensive, I think, about your grading mm. in the humanities than you do in STEM because there's much more of a, yeah, take it or leave it, you just don't understand it thing mm. than, like, you know, you would do uh, in the humanities. And there's there's a number of reasons for that. Like, yeah. some of them institutional, some of them outside of, like, you know, uh, some of them having to do with how people see the humanities and so on and so forth. Right. Like, But um, I, really, I really do think things would be a little better if people just adopted more of that attitude. Like, your essay was a C. Yeah. And... It was a CSA. Like I, I, I'm not gonna give you a better grade. Mm. I can help you learn how to write. Right. I can direct you to places that will help you learn how to write. Yeah. Maybe I will even read your drafts, mm. given that it's a couple of weeks before the due date. Yeah. But I'm not gonna change your grade. Yeah. And I'm not gonna like you know give you a grade and a half higher than I should have, mm. just because you know like you wrote me a CSA and your feelings would be hurt. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And but, so by that token, I think there is a difference between dumbing it down so that to the point where it's passable by everybody, but you were having to pander to this subjectivity enough such that no one really takes that step, right, of what you just said. 
which I think is what we would want to shoot more towards as opposed to the complete, like, I'm going to fail everybody so no one learns anything. Right. Right. I mean, like, there's I mean, a medium there. Oh, of course. I'm yeah. not saying, well, I mean, I didn't mean to suggest that that was my opinion. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah. because like, you know, the thing is that like, yeah, if everybody fails and the people you're recruiting are either too weak, which is very unlikely yeah. or the class is too hard. Uh-huh. Like, you know, and that, you know, you gotta, you gotta work with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the, the concern with all that is that, you know, there's like a feeling that like, you know, if you do that, if you start really grading and judging people's essays, then you're sort of pushing a certain way of writing on the people, you know, mm-hmm. and people should be free to write however they want. Right. And there's a multiplicity of ways to write and, you know, what have you, mm-hmm. um, which is like true enough. Right. Just as like, there's a multiplicity of ways to understand how to do linear algebra or like, you know, engineering or anything like that. But like, uh-huh. I'm teaching you a way that I, that works, mm-hmm. like learn this way that works. Right. And if you have this other way that works, then you can do it mm-hmm. if it works, but you know, pass the test. <laughs> so that <laughs> yeah. like, I know and people know that you can make it work, mm-hmm. right? In the, in the same way, it's like, you know, there's a certain way of writing like an academic essay, right? Mm-hmm. And like, okay, sure. Like, you don't want to write everything like an academic essay. Yeah. But like, it's not that bad to write everything like an academic essay. Right. As opposed to writing everything as if it were a Twitter comment, which is really bad. Yes, right? that is super bad. Um, So it's sort of like a medium that like you have to accept. And, you know, this is like buried in a lot of problems that like, you know, uh, are very like, theoretical removed mm-hmm. um but like it just seems it i don't know it seems strange to me that like you know um it, it has come to this yeah um but whatever like this this means especially at mit we're like you know there's not that many people who are very serious about the major in the first place mm-hmm. um well that and um because at mit so i'm a compared to media studies and literature major mm-hmm. there are 10 literature majors Right. In all of MIT. Most classes are like limited to 15. Like right. most of the literature only classes. Uh-huh. Finger quotes. So like there's no class that you're going to take where everybody is a major or even like very few classes where the majority of people in the class is a major. Yeah. I think maybe like zero in fact. So there's always going to be some people who are taking the class just, you know, because they wanted to, you mm-hmm. know, and maybe they haven't taken another like literature or CMS class before. Right. Um, so you can't actually, so it's very hard to actually like concretely build off of like, you know, a set of theoretical whatever and then just like dive into it a lot yeah. because there's going to be some people in the class who are like I literally don't know what you're talking you about you can't build something off of nothing right yeah. mm-hmm. so you can't leave them behind you have, to, yeah, you have exactly. to keep this in mind yeah. and so that's how all the courses here are constructed uh-huh. right um, and so there's sort of really sort of a graduate school kind of feeling mm-hmm. sometimes where it's just like yeah we offer classes in like these like disjoint things right, right? and like they all can touch on theory right uh-huh. Or they can all touch on this thing that you're interested in, right? Right, um, depending on how the professor decides to approach it, right? Right, but you just sort of take what you want, and then you know whatever. There's like no like core of of like classes that you must go through yeah. these classes in order to have a basic methodological understanding of yeah. how to approach this, as or theoretical like yeah. understanding, as compared to how it is in the STEM majors is that there's more or less a, especially in engineering, less so in science. In science, it's um, a little between the two, but in engineering, is most definitely like, you are going to get these learning objectives out of this, and we are going to give you the prescribed set of classes, and you're, all the classes you take are going to be classes where you mostly, the people who are majoring in that subject are the people taking it, and it's always, you know, yeah. 50-something people. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so... You said that it was more like a grad school feel when you're taking undergrad classes. So how would that actually affect you when you 
would apply to grad school. Well, for one, in graduate school, you're just expected to do much better work <laughs> than yeah. the undergrad classes. So when I say graduate school, feel I don't mean the classes are that hard. Cause yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Um, I mean, they're they're not. But like, um, you're you're expected to do much better work for yeah. one. Um, and in fact, there might actually be, depending on the graduate school you go to, a little more tracking than there is here. Mm-hmm. A little more of a. It depends. Like in the social sciences, which are not really the humanities, but whatever. Like, you know, mm-hmm. in MIT, they may as well goddamn be, um, considering how some people talk about them. <laughs> um, like, in the social sciences, for example, there's, you know, the moment you go into graduate school, you start learning about method, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes statistics, usually statistics, actually. Like, uh, in psychology and so- and quantitative sociology, statistics is everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. spend... In fact, uh, some of the complaints are too much statistics, not enough theory. <laughs> like not actually understanding. Yeah. No, no, it's 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 interesting how that works. The the graduate school feeling like I like it, right? But right. then it's kind of irritating because like I have to take you know these math classes, and it's like oh, I don't care. Right. <laughs> like, you know, so it's like, and I mean, it's not that I it's not that I hate the classes, but they're hard. Right. Right. Like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, I want to read this really interesting thing, but I can't because I have to do this stupid PSAT right. or study for this crap exam, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm doing okay in those classes. not great because I don't care that much. But, like, sometimes it, it gets in the way, right? I can understand how people, you know, like in an engineering major or something might feel if they are forced to take humanities classes, right? And they're not doing that great in them. <laughs> they're just like, this sucks, right. right? Like, and I think, you know, part of the problem is that grades are just so... You know, like, you get a C in something, that's, like, the fucking end of the world. Like, oh, no, I got a C! Ah! Like, a lot of people will, like, freak out about that, right? And, like, that sucks. Like, why yeah. Why is it the case that, like, you have to freak out about getting a C, right? Like, it, it really shouldn't be the case that, like, getting a C is, like, this huge thing that bothers people or feels like this giant, like, personal judgment, but it does. Well, I think part like, of that comes from, since you are competing against other people when you apply to especially early internships Mm. and even things like grad school um you are being judged also on your grades and so if you if your gpa ends up dropping because you got a c in something that you didn't have to take that's rather irritating yeah to somebody who is trying to aim for getting as high of that number as possible I mean, yeah. the the thing is that, like, my impression is that even, like, the top graduate schools, there's just, like, a point at which your GPA is above that, and then they don't care, really. Like, I mean, that's a high, it's a high number. Yeah, I was going like, to say, but you have to meet that bar. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, like, 3.7 uh-huh. or something. Yeah. Like, it's pretty high. Right. Um, and that's that's not easy here by any means, and so if and, you... And it's harder in a lot of other places than it yeah. is here, I got to tell you. Like, the classes are harder, but getting a certain grade may not be that hard. Right. Right, like... I mean, I think maybe I think this is the thing that college general does is that based on how you based a little bit on what you want to do, but grades obviously still matter to the subset of people who want to go to grad school, go to med school, that kind of thing. And I mean, even some jobs have GPA cutoffs now. Yeah, some some jobs do. I think that a lot of times jobs can be um, circumvented by having relevant experience. Mm, that's true yeah but if you're a sophomore you probably don't have that much yeah you you don't yeah Um, you're leaning on potential rather than like you know demonstrated ability yeah exactly Um, yeah and yeah but speaking of graduate school in the humanities because i wanted to 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 get to this point Mm -hmm. um because of the fact that you know at mit there's there's not really a 
track that you go through. Mm-hmm. If you're in the humanities at MIT for whatever reason and you want to go to grad school mm-hmm. or just a place that doesn't like specialize in that stuff, you got to do a lot of reading on your own. Right. Like all the reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it's on you. It's a, it's a very unique experience, I think, because like you, uh, I mean, I'm a second semester sophomore. Well, I'm actually older than that because it took a year off. Yeah, I yeah. don't remember if I've talked about that before. You've but, talked about that a little bit, yeah. Um, so it's weird because I look at some people who are applying to grad school now in, mm-hmm. in other places, and I'm like, I actually have a better idea of how the field is going right now than you do <laughs> yeah. because, like, I have nothing but that because my classes don't really, like... You know, they don't really throw that much at me. So I have I have a bunch of free time, at least vis-a-vis the humanities, to, like, read books and, like, get other theoretical things on, under my belt, mm-hmm. you know, and, and get a sense of that. And, I mean, that, that I think, is, like, the, the key thing if you major in the humanities anywhere mm-hmm. is that, like, yeah, the classes, you know, in a sense aren't that hard, so you should use the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're majoring in the humanities because it's something that you like or whatever, then you use the opportunity mm-hmm. to learn to apply those things that you're learning or, or to use the resources of the place that you're at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to get books, to get papers, to read right. things, like to get a better sense of what is going on, mm-hmm. right, in whatever field it is that you're interested in. And if you're in the humanities, right, like you will probably benefit from reading academic papers, like yeah. almost certainly. Even if you're not going to get a job that has a whole lot to do with like what it is that you're majoring in, you probably mm-hmm. benefit if you're interested in the thing that you're majoring in. Mm-hmm. And like people don't do it. People coast through, right? Mm-hmm. Um and that's, a, I think, a big part of why, like, there's this, you know, reputation of, like, these people, like, not being able to get, you know, jobs because, like, yeah, I majored in, you know, English and I, I took classes that were, like, 80% author study. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, what do you, what can you do with that? Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Like, you can do this. You can take, like, classes that are, like, very largely author study, right? right. You say, well, I applied, you know, these sorts of, like, theories or, like, perspectives on, say, science or, you know, like, law, or mm-hmm. something like that, and, you know, we sort of interrogated, interrogation, is, interrogate is a favorite word of, like, okay, humanities yeah. people, like, um, how, you know, those things operated, like, in those given circumstances, and we came up with, like, some interesting comparisons to how, like, the legal system works now, or whatever, mm-hmm. right, and then you could talk to, like, maybe somebody who's hiring you for a paralegal, and they're like, oh, so you're pretty involved in, like, you know, law stuff, like, as a consequence of doing that, you probably have a good idea um, of, like, what the legal system is like now, mm-hmm. right, or something like that, and that's a lot better than I don't know, which is where a lot of people are. Yeah. Right. Like exactly. they just go and they take a bunch of classes and like, you know, the classes don't really gel too well together or you mm-hmm. just don't get a very good big picture view of like, say, English or English language use or writing or anything like mm-hmm. that. And then you leave and expect to get a degree, a, a job rather, once you get your right. degree and then you don't. And it's like, yeah. oh no, first at Starbucks college is worthless. Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's, it's certainly worthless in the sense that you just go and automatically get a job. That doesn't happen anymore. Right, it doesn't happen. Um, if it ever did. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't say that it happens anywhere. I think that in sciences, too, the most competitive applicants will be the people who... Um, who were the who also took the time and figured out on their own like where the field that they're going in is heading, um, like you know what's hot in your subsection of whatever you want to do because that's what really makes um, professors want to have you as a grad student who to do your PhD with. 
all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. kind of that's kind of the other concerning thing too, right? Is that like okay, so my interests are things that right now are not politically sexy. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm interested in like you know theoretical stuff. Right. And you know, um, right now in the humanities, like there's a lot of attention being paid to like you know, um, more social kind of kind of things like you know like discourse and mm-hmm. uh you know social constructions and things mm-hmm. like that and you know there's nothing wrong with that except for the case that like you know people will be like theory isn't that like passe mm-hmm. you know like and and then you know people will say all kinds of things okay this is like more of a grad school like problem here because like if you if you aren't planning on going to grad school you probably literally don't give a shit about this kind of politics but like you know people saying things like oh this person that you read aren't they like full of shit you know, and like they never read them themselves, and you're right. like, oh my fucking god, right? Mm-hmm. I imagine this happens in the sciences too, where people will be like, oh, this theory or whatever, probably in physics a lot, this theory or whatever, you know, is total dog shit. And it's like, do you even know anything about that? Like, I bet you don't, right? Like, I don't know, like string theory, this fights over string theory and like quantum whatever, quantum magic. Like, these kinds of little dog fights happen all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's, I mean, that was the other thing, too, is in, in physics, you get specialized in one thing, which I can imagine is true in the humanities, too. Right. I'm not going into string theory. I don't really know a lot about string theory. I probably never will. So. I mean, I think that there's something to gain from, from the perspective, though, that, like, some people have, uh, especially the composition people, is that, like, we should treat learning how to write as being about as basic as learning how to do math with respect to, like, the sciences. Yeah. Um, in the sense that, like, we actually should like not just teach one or two classes that are just focused on how to write. There should be mm-hmm. many, many different classes that focus on how to write. And like the moment, like moving into theory should actually be a thing that you do when you're like close to grad school, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, like literally just taking an intro course in literary theory, like when you're a freshman or a sophomore, right? right. Like, like a lot of people do that. Like a lot of schools have that. And it's like, people are not going to have, they're not going to be able to really engage with that. Right. Like, it it has to it has to have a more logical stepping up, and it doesn't it doesn't in high school, it doesn't in college. The end result is that you, since there isn't structure for that, you have to take those steps yourself. Yeah, yeah. And then a lot of people don't. Yeah. And you know, there's there, here at MIT, there's not a lot of pressure to do that. Although, mm-hmm. again, like honestly, I could just take a few months off and like refresh myself with Python and Java and probably get a job somewhere. <laughs> like, cause I, I have, I have experience with coding and things like that. So mm-hmm. like, you know, it wouldn't be that hard to get a job. Like, you know, um, even though I majored in the humanities and mm-hmm. again, that's an out that like other people don't have. And yeah, I'm very exactly. grateful for, mm-hmm. um, plus I know like a lot of friends who are very good at coding and you know, if I, if I begged and groveled enough, probably somebody could get me a job somewhere. And that's why I will say, um, to your other point that you made earlier, Liz, that like people who go to less STEM-centered schools, um, like Harvard, um, though I wouldn't necessarily say Harvard was not STEM-centered completely. Um, that, that I mean, I had less a comparative, yeah, lot less less compared to MIT. That a lot of that is more about networking. But I would say that if you are not super, super, super on top of your shit, networking is nearly is very much necessary and is still a thing that you need to do even in STEM because I don't think that unless your work really mm-hmm. can speak for itself, which is almost never if you're an undergrad, then you do need to have, you do need to spend time making those connections because not everyone's going to walk out of here um, 
with a 5-0 and think and we have companies just kind of throwing offers at their feet because you know you're hot shit um because because most people walk out of here and they you know you did well but you you need to lean on some of those connections in order to really get yourself where you want to go right and i mean uh, I think that we've been going for a while, and I think we talked about uh, all the things that I think are important. So I yeah. think I'll close with this. It's very interesting because people think about, like, you know, merit or whatever, and they think about in terms of, you know, your ability and, and things like that. And, you know, they connect that to, like, just, like, if you had X job, right, how good would you be at that job or whatever, right? Yeah. But the problem is always communication, right? Mm-hmm. Communication is ha, 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 ha. <laughs> but um, how are people going – how are people supposed to know Right. That you are good at your job, mm. that you would be good at it, because you know, a resume doesn't say much, like um, from like most places, right? Even at MIT, like a blank resume, in fact, like says, in fact, it says a lot that is negative <laughs> about you, yes. right? Mm. Like, um, or at least people are going to read it that way. The thing is that, like, that's what connections are for. Connections are about like, you know, giving people the impression that, like, okay, this person, I can believe this person when they say that they're good at this, mm-hmm. right? Because somebody I trust told me so. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you simply have a bigger, like, you have a bigger hump to get over right. if that is not the case. Mm-hmm. And people can be very resistant to that when, like, the other option is somebody that they know would be a good choice or that can trust very well would be a good choice. Yes. And this is just, like, I don't know, a fact of life, right? Right. And I mean, like, you know, so... It's weird to me that people consider it to be such a such a surprise or that it's like illegitimate that like um places like Harvard or MIT that part of their elite status or whatever their like quality comes from like the the connections you get just as much as the classes you take mm-hmm. or like the skills you learn and it's simply because like yeah like you can learn all the skills you want but like if no one believes that you actually know them then right. you know, it doesn't mean anything and i and i think this is part of the reason why people who Go to, um, go to something that's not a super big name school like the Harvard or Stanford or whatever. Go to somewhere that's not that, but they kill it and make all the connections that they can. They almost end up as good off as somebody from somewhere like MIT. I mean, a lot of people lot end of up times. very well off like, yeah. without coming from a place like this, right? Yeah. I, I mean, mean like, obviously, people are successful without going here. There are a very small number of people who go here compared to the number of people who go to college everywhere. Right. Right, yeah. And, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, it's not bad or anything that things are this way, mm-hmm. that, like, you know, connections are so important or anything like that. But it's because, like, people uh, people want everyone to be skilled now. Yeah. Right? And if people want everyone to be skilled, you know, how are they going to know that you are skilled? Well, someone's got to tell them, right? Right. That or they have to see your resume and say, holy shit, uh-huh. you know, there's a lot of really good stuff on here. And it's very unlikely in this day and age that people are going to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, connections, I don't know, it's just the way that it is. People are playing the game. Yeah. Like, you know. Um, now, of course, we can have another discussion of, like, how are people, like, perpetuating the game, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, in in the current state of things, it's it's complicated. But... In the end, sort of, like, wonder on that. And also the point is that, like, do stuff yourself. Your right. classes don't carry you through to a job. They don't. I don't think they should. Yeah. Right? And you shouldn't expect them to. Right. No matter where you go, yeah, it's always it's always going to be a thing that in order for you to get to the point 
of real competitiveness to be super successful, uh, you're going to have to take that extra leap in order to do so. Indeed. Yep. All right. I think that's enough for now. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm Everett. I'm Stan. Hit us up online on our on our blog. Comment on our stuff. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Complain Rate. how hard it is to get a job. Yeah. Send us an email. At we'll listen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should totally send us an email and let us know you're out there. Tell us about your own experiences and uh, we can talk about some more stuff related to that. So, yeah. We'll uh, see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.